Hello and welcome to the show. This is Sam Eric. Uh, today we have a very interesting show and we're going to talk about impact of coronavirus outbreak on European tourism industries. And I have my friend Jayant Kola, who has been watching and checking the uh, information that is out, coming out on a daily basis, hour by hour, how it is affecting on uh, business on uh, macro level, um, of course, we will covering the business in general, but also looking at the hospitality industry. I will also give my views and uh, comments on what lessons learned from the SARS outbreak, meaning severe acute respiratory syndrome, uh, 17 years ago. listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for their customers in pursuit of their passion. My name is Sam Eric Rutman, best known for operating and developing hotels in Southeast Asia, Middle East, and North Africa. Currently, I provide global advisory services to redefine new paradigms for hotel businesses so they can maximize their assets. My home base is in Helsinki, Finland, also known as the nature capital of the world. So, uh, Jayant, uh, uh, thank you very much again for uh, joining this episode. And uh, what, what's new? What have you learned about in the recently about uh, uh, this uh, impact on the corona uh, virus outbreak? Uh, hello, Sam Eric. Good evening. I hope it's a good, pleasant uh, you know, January evening for you at Helsinki. Uh, yeah, I, I have been tracking the coronavirus, uh, uh, you know, numbers and impact, uh, you know, very closely, uh, literally on a daily basis uh, from, a, you know, potential uh, economic impact of it uh, across various sectors. And, uh, you know, as uh, we are actually bang in the middle of this, uh, you know, as of this morning, this morning, India time, I woke up to the news of uh, uh, the World Health Organization. organization declaring uh, coronavirus a uh, you know global uh, uh, health emergency uh, you know you know that is uh, that is quite a big news so in the last few days you know we've seen uh, macroeconomic uh, impact of uh, of this virus spread uh, the stock markets have been dipping the you know the western investors have been pulling out money from asian markets uh, the oil uh, you know uh, oil price has come down so you know stock markets around the world have been impacted and uh, you know a couple of days back, uh, I have been uh, talk- thinking about um, the impact of coronavirus, um, you know, uh, in China, the uh, impact of coronavirus outbreak in China uh, on the tourism industry and uh, especially European tourism industry. As you know, you know, last year and we have met in Europe, actually, uh, I have been, uh, you know, to various uh, uh, various conferences around uh, Europe in Malta in London in Bulgaria and Turkey and uh, you know talking about the adoption of uh, various technologies in tourism so I've been closely tracking uh, you know the tourism industry uh, in Europe specifically and I know you know I've, I've learned for a fact that uh, China uh, inbound tourism into uh, Europe is a uh, is a big uh, sector and a market so this you know coronavirus outbreak uh, I've been thinking of 
you know what adverse impact it would have uh, in europe uh, and what could potentially different uh, tourism authorities and organizations across various european countries do to potentially mitigate this risk considering the peak uh, travel season and the summer uh, you know tourism season is uh, is still a few months away very interesting i think this is a very relevant topic and um i've been looking at now the latest news uh, what's happening in in finland particularly for the lapland uh, uh tourism market where the chinese market represent uh, about 10% uh still 10% is uh, some huge numbers not huge numbers but are very important numbers and particularly the time period of uh the lunar new year period where uh, people are traveling so uh, I, I will bring some uh, information that I have learned from today. Right. Yeah. So you know, I just wanted to uh, discuss uh, you know some of the numbers and it, its potential impact. So I've been tracking the uh, the coronavirus uh, infection and infected cases literally on a daily basis. So as of January twenty ninth morning, and that is India time. Uh, you know, woke up to the news of uh, five thousand nine hundred and seventy-four confirmed cases in China alone. Uh, you know, of uh, coronavirus-infected uh, patients, and you know that number was higher than all of uh, you know SARS-affected uh, cases uh, in China uh, in Beijing back in two thousand two, two thousand three. I mean, back in uh, seventeen uh, years ago, uh, Beijing was the epicenter or ground zero of SARS outbreak. And uh, you know the total number of uh, SARS-infected patients were less than five thousand nine hundred, and you know this number was uh, as of twenty ninth uh, January. And then yesterday, the thirtieth January, that number grew to about seven thousand seven hundred in China alone. Right, so a twenty seven percent increase. So this is definitely an outbreak, and uh, you know even uh, WHO uh, acknowledged uh, acknowledged this as as an outbreak, and uh, you know, pe- the best minds in the medical field are trying to work, uh, work, uh, work on a way to contain this. Uh, but looks like as of today, as of thirty first January evening, we're we're bang in the middle of this. Uh, you know, this virus and its infection still growing and spreading. It, it doesn't seem to be on a decline. But we have we are already witnessing, you know, the adverse impact of it on the uh, on various economic uh, factors. Uh, you know, one thing that happened is most of the countries uh, have flown out their citizens who were in China uh, through chartered flights, and they have uh, stopped all uh, you know flights uh, to and from uh, China. You know, most of the Western European countries and even Asian countries, the big ones such as Japan, Korea, and uh, you know, and India, and Russia has closed its uh, road border also to China, uh, just to uh, you know this this. Uh, proves, you know, how the international community is taking, uh, you know, taking this virus and its impact uh, seriously, right? So yes, and uh, you know, this is this is, uh, you know, sad, uh, honestly, uh, and uh, you know, and but but it is going to have, uh, you know, huge uh, impact as well. And one of the one of the sectors that I see uh, it having an impact, uh, you know, over a longer period of time. By that, what I mean is, even as of today, or you know, in the next few days, hopefully, this uh, uh, you know virus outbreak is contained and, and uh, you know cases healed. Uh, 
its impact, especially on a sector like tourism, is going to remain for a few months. And I would expect the entire 2020 being, uh, you know, being adversely impacted, uh, the tourism industry being adversely impacted by this outbreak uh, in China. Yes, I think that um, one of the thing is with uh, <clears throat> with the tourism. Uh, if you look at the uh, situation in in uh, Lapland, uh, they have, um, of course, they were immediately affected because uh, the Chinese uh, love to travel to to Lapland. This has been sort of the success story of uh, of uh, inbound tur- tourism, right. and uh, the virus outbreak. Uh, the hotels uh, really had, took a very immediate look at the, what is sort of the uh, what are the things that they can do to uh, recover some of, some of that business. Right. And uh, uh, I was talking to one of the uh, hotel chains up in Rovaniemi, and they mentioned that they had uh, different depending on the group, they had between twenty and forty groups uh, that have cancelled. Wow. But saying that it's not the last best forever because majority has are just changing the date of travel. Right, right. So they are still coming. So I said, well, how do you uh, replace this business? Well, they said that uh, we had a overbooking situation because of the ski season. Oh, right. And things have changed dramatically in in uh, Lapland because of Lapland does not have uh, natural disasters of. Uh, avalanches, floods, or uh, vicious storms, but it's quite a calm area. So this has meant that people who are enjoying the winter uh, sports or just being uh, enjoying cooler uh, climates, which are not uh, drastic, I mean, they are minus five, so that is sort of a bearable. Uh, they are they want to spend their ski holidays with their family. They want to come uh, travel away. So Lapland has, in, in fact, doesn't seem to, suffer in the same way. And one thing which I learned, which was very interesting, that they have not pushed the panic button of dropping the rates, hoping to recover business. But in fact, they are uh, taking a very clever role of just making sure that they uh, contact the the tour operators, travel organizers, uh, and also go on their websites to announce that they they have now uh, uh, limited rooms available, uh, but they're not dropping their rates, which I found quite interesting change to uh, what I have experienced, uh, what happened to when I was 17 years ago right. in, uh, uh, in, uh, in, in Phuket Island. Right. No, it's uh, very, uh, you know, uh, interesting. You mentioned uh, Lapland and, uh, you know, uh, Chinese uh, tourists being, uh, uh, you know, being, uh, uh, visiting Lapland and being a big chunk of the tourism uh, uh, inbound international tourism market there, and this is uh, also what I personally observed last year when uh, you know when I was uh, at uh, in various parts of Europe, uh, you know in sunny beach uh, Bulgaria, uh, in Malta, uh, you know Chinese tourists, uh, you know in Europe seem to have uh, uh, you know seem to find. Uh, good, uh, nice places, and seem to come all over Europe. Not not just the big cities like London, Paris, uh, uh, Amsterdam, and uh, you know, uh, and and Berlin. Uh, which you know, in India, it's it's mostly the case, right? I mean, mostly Indians uh, uh, in, uh, travel to Europe only to the big cities. But what I uh, realized is uh, last year that Chinese actually travel to all parts of Europe. I mean, even in uh, you know, uh, while while in this uh, conference in Bulgaria. 
I've seen how Central European countries uh, like Czech Republic, Croatia, Hungary, and Poland have marketed themselves well and have actually seen Chinese uh, inbound tourists coming in. And, you know, that is that is why this entire uh, coronavirus outbreak and the travel ban uh, imposed by most of the countries uh, is that much more worrying, right? Uh, because if you look at it in 2018, uh, you know, there were already 145 million uh, international outbound tourists from China, which is already the highest in the world, uh, you know, closely followed by uh, US by about 85 or 87 million, right? And the projected numbers by uh, by UNWTO for 2019 was 156 million outbound uh, uh, international outbound tourists from China, right? And you know, China is already the the biggest market when it comes to you know uh, international tourists, um, and uh, it, that's that is the issue. I mean, uh, if um, you know, if most of the countries have the travel, uh, you know, impose a travel plan um, on. Um, Chinese uh, tourists, uh, you know, like if we if we have to take a quick uh, uh, draw, a quick parallel uh, in terms of what happened um, uh, back in two thousand three uh, uh, in the in the middle of the SARS outbreak. So you know, I have some numbers uh, from Malaysia here. So back in two thousand three, Malaysia imposed a one week long uh, uh, you know travel ban on all tourists, uh, you know, from mainland China, Hong Kong and Taiwan, uh, you know, due to the SARS outbreak. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, or like we talked earlier, Beijing was the epicenter of uh, SARS outbreak, right? And Malaysia imposed a week-long ban. And, uh, you know, back in the day, and even now, you know, Southeast Asia is a big, uh, uh, you know, big Chinese uh, uh, tourist market. Uh, but back then, it was that much more. So uh, if you look at the if you look at the numbers, what how that one week ban impacted for the entire year of two thousand three, uh, you know, uh, Malaysia's tourism uh, uh, tourism uh, uh, industry in terms of dollar value uh, decreased by about seventeen point four percent as compared to the previous year two thousand two, just by imposing a week long ban on uh, uh, on uh, you know Chinese uh, tourists, and if you look at purely you know, the chi- decrease in Chinese uh, tourist numbers on a month-on-month basis between April to August 2003, uh, you know, anywhere between 58% to 93% decrease uh, in Chinese tourists, uh, you know, month-on-month as compared to the previous month. Uh, this was, uh, you know, for Malaysia. So this was bang in the middle of the SARS outbreak, right? So we have some, you know, parallel comparison of, you know, what... Uh, 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 gl- global health uh, emergency, um, you know, and leading to a travel ban, leading to uh, adverse impact on, uh, you know, a tourism industry. Uh, we have these numbers, especially, you know, uh, of China from, from, from back in 2002-2003. And, uh, you know, we, would ex- we can expect that uh, uh, in uh, Europe for 2020 as well, uh, you know, there, there could be some there would be some adverse impact, right? I'm very sure about that. And just to, <clears throat> since you mentioned the, the SARS period in uh, uh, 2000, no, I think the end of 2002 and then uh, into the, the 2003, uh, what we experienced uh, now, I was based in on Phuket Island in Thailand. And um, we were relying uh, on not so much on the mainland Chinese, but more of the Hong Kong Chinese Right. They, they were all, this was also an area which, uh, where there was the virus outbreak. 
And so we basically lost uh, the Hong Kong business completely. And uh, uh, what we then, the big difference to 2003 to 2020 is that we don't, we didn't have the social media. And also the way the news, how the, how fast the news would travel, uh, we didn't have that. So we were just trying at that time to look at, well, if we drop the rates, we look at some different markets, we will regain the business. But it never happened to us uh, because we, we just didn't know better. We, it's the typical low panic button, pressing the panic button. You think if the rate will entice people to travel more. And I, 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 we learned our lesson. It didn't work. Right. In the hotel business, the first three months are crucial, particularly if you are a resort destination. And uh, once you have done your... January, February, March period are doing, you're doing very well. Then you have, because you will have undoubtedly will have some soft soft periods throughout the year until the high season picks up again. Uh, you will have a challenges. And we thought we were doing the right thing, but uh, in hindsight, we should have done completely different. But what, what was being done then, of course, was another way of where could uh, expenses being cut. Right. And at that time, the management and the owners of the hotel, they asked us to uh, take uh, a, a pay cut, basically to deduct uh, one day a week from our salaries. Now, uh, for this was all, all, the, all from supervisors up to general managers, who even the managing director of the hotel company and the owner of the hotel company, they, they also took a, a pay cut on this uh, to, to give back. And also, but in return, we got some uh, uh, gift certificates that we could use for uh, various shops that was available in, on at the resort area. Right. So it was not a total loss, but we want to make sure that we don't, uh, by having a, a less hotel guests, that we don't have, have to cut the staff or put uh, staff on unpaid leave and we also guaranteed that they could get the basic uh, service charge paid on a monthly basis. It was important to safeguard the, the people who are, uh, are on lower salaries and who are relying on uh, service charge that they are not being uh, punished. So we basically, the supervisor up took, the, took some hit on this. And this was one of the ways uh, that uh, the payroll expenses were controlled and uh, in hindsight, this was a, a actually a very smart move to be done rather than terminating or putting people on uh, leave of absence or, or unpaid leave that they, they would be having very difficult at home. And then you, then you ask them to come back. Maybe they're not as mo- motivated. And actually, we had the better – everyone was motivated to do the best they could under those circumstances. Yeah, I can. I hear you. I think uh, the management did uh, what they had to. Uh, you know, I I have uh, you know a couple of uh, uh, actually a, a question, a follow up question for you there. But uh, you know, uh, it's actually very interesting. You mentioned that back back in the day, you know, during the SARS outbreak, we did not have social media, and you know, social media can be a double edged sword, right? I mean, uh, it's it's a good and bad thing. I mean, it it spreads both good and bad news. Uh, you know, like like wildfire. Sometimes, uh, you know, it will work in your favor and sometimes it, uh, it doesn't. But, uh, you know, today, because of social media, we're getting some of these news, some of these numbers extremely fast. Uh, you know, we can, we can change our plans and strategy and our marketing plans 
you know, on the fly. Uh, but at the same time, it also spreads, uh, you know, we discussed fake news in a, on our previous podcast. It also sometimes, you know, uh, exaggerates uh, on the negative side, on the scarier side, uh, some of these uh, news. I mean, sometimes uh, on the negative side, it tends to make, uh, you know, mountains out of molehill, right? But uh, let me ask you a question, um, you know, so back in, uh, uh, back during the uh, SARS outbreak, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you guys were mostly dependent on uh, Hong Kong-based tourists coming in. At that point of time, did the management think about, uh, you know, probably marketing themselves to uh, another market uh, to mitigate or to, you know, um, uh, compensate for the lower numbers from um, Hong Kong, let's say, you know, another country, uh, let's say Singapore, uh, or, or any other country to uh, invite tourists from that part to uh, not have that much of a potential business impact? Yes, I mean, we, we, our uh, source markets were, uh, in addition to uh, Hong Kong, they did not represent uh, the highest numbers. We were relying mostly on, uh, uh, on Phuket Island for the European winter travelers. Right. And uh, also... Singapore on their uh, long weekends, uh, and particularly we were focusing on, on at that time on on Singapore. Uh, but uh, there was also that uh, with the European travelers, there were some Europeans that were worried about traveling to uh, to Southeast Asia because of the general fear of catching uh, a, a SARS virus. Right. That was sort of a sentiment. So it was not. Uh, it was not so much about well, we give you a good deal. It, uh, the, people didn't really care about getting a good deal. They just didn't want to. They want to wait and see and to be feel that uh, secure and safe. That uh, that uh, the area will where they will be traveling will be. Uh, they feel they are safe, and it's not the area. It's the people they are running into at the airports or while they're traveling that they may catch. That's what they were mostly worried about. But uh, we do. We did pick up some. Business from Singapore because that were they were not as sensitive to that and they also followed on a daily basis uh, how things were developing in different parts of uh, uh, part of the region relating to the to the SARS at that time. Right, right. Now this is uh, no that is very interesting. I mean, uh, in fact, actually, uh, the SARS uh, outbreak. You being in Phuket, uh, you know, you are actually closer to the uh, affected area, so you're. Uh, your uh, difficulties uh, and issues, uh, you know, could have been different. But let me ask you, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, in Europe, the summer months are still a few few months away. We are, we are still in January and, uh, you know, late January, early, early February. If uh, you had to, uh, you know, give a couple of suggestions and recommendations to uh, the tourism boards and various uh, players in the travel and tourism value chain in Europe, let's say the big hotels, the resort owners, uh, the airlines, uh, the travel operators uh, to mitigate or to compensate for, uh, you know, uh, the potentially reduced number of Chinese tourists this year. What what would be your, you know, key recommendations be? Well, I would recommend, first of all, to focus on what are the things that the customer cares about when they're traveling. In other words, you're looking to amplify that kind of a, experience that they can get once they arrive to the destination. Uh, whether it's uh, Northern Europe or Central or Southern Europe, you have, besides the urban areas, you have the, uh, uh, depending on what time of the year, uh, 
highlighting the spring, uh, the nature, the a lot of the cultural things to highlight the uh, special events that uh, have already been planned and actually promote those special events even more stronger because there's so much uh, going on in Europe during the year, music festivals, cultural events, art, and so And just focus on amplifying that message that uh, uh, these are the things that uh, these different areas can offer and, and, uh, and also to uh, be aware that and and then more importantly to listen to what the customers are talking about in in the various social media platform and see what kind of comments are being made and be uh, and uh, also react to to those comments because people are talking on social media all the time yeah. uh, uh, they are now planning the summer holidays well they say well what we're we going to do on summer holidays are we going to stay uh, in the uh, in our home country, uh, traveling, or are we are we still considering going to uh, uh, to other parts of Europe? Or and same discussions are going on in in China. Same discussions are going on e- everywhere. There there will be a travel season, yeah. and without being sort of uh, looking at the crystal ball, uh, uh, their re- reaction to the coronavirus in Finland is that it's. Uh, People really are quite calm about it here, right? Because it feels like it's like a seasonal virus anyway. It's not sort of the epidemic that uh, uh, is being talked about in 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 uh, by the there is uh, various uh, uh, media. So they are not as panicking about this as as, uh, as one may have expected. It's more of a uh, the new. It's elevated to news. Right. And uh, so because there are other things that they could talk about, but this is now the, the key topic. Example, in Finland, we have one patient up in Ivalo, which is one of the no- most northern cities in, in Finland. There's one patient that has corona. And there's one journalist, no, three journalists, five cameras standing there for 24 hours trying to grab a little bit of news from the doctor. How is the patient? And the doctor answers, Oh, the patient is well, but we want to keep it for two weeks in quarantine. Right. Isn't there something you can tell us? Well, what can I say? The patient is eating three meals a day and the patient is well, but we want to keep it for two weeks. <laughs> That's interesting. No, it's it's very interesting what you mentioned because, uh, you know, uh, this is exactly what happened in India. And I, I'll give you a very personal example. Even in India, we have only one confirmed case of uh, coronavirus uh, that came out yesterday. And this young student uh, in, a, in a state of Kerala, which is at the south, southwestern tip of India, right? And in a, in a country of 1.3 plus billion people, there's just one confirmed case, right? But then again, talking of, uh, you know, how people are talking of uh, social media and how it can be, you know, a potential, uh, 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 potential platform for spreading fear. This is what happened today. Uh, my uh, young 10-year-old fifth grade daughter was supposed to go out on her annual picnic uh, to this, uh, you know, water park, uh, you know, amusement park. And, uh, you know, she didn't go because she'd, she'd already been there and she, she's not a big fan of uh, water rides. So she and she dropped off. And anyway, she had she, she instead went to her uh, badminton training. She spent a few extra hours on the court. But she was telling me while I was dro- dropping her to the training academy today, that 16 out of 25 uh, kids in her class, uh, you know, dropped out of uh, uh, the picnic today. And I asked her why, I mean, why, why 16 of them? She gave me reasons for about five of her friends saying that, you know, 
the, this girl has already been there. This girl, uh, you know, is afraid of water rights. And uh, I've already been there. But 11 uh, children apparently did not go because of coronavirus care, uh, you know, that her parents, uh, that their parents didn't send. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I mean, you're talking about in Bangalore, all of India, we have one confirmed case. And, you know, in a, in a, in a town, which is a few hundred kilometers from where we are, and, you know, you're not sending your kids on an annual picnic because of the scare. So this is this is the negative aspect of uh, social media that, that we're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, also, I mentioned, um, uh, I saw just a few days ago uh, on uh, the French uh, TV channel, the English version of uh, France 24, right. where there are uh, Asian, uh, Asian uh, journalists uh, who lives in France, uh, actually born in France, and have never left France, uh, feels uncomfortable because she's Asian. When people, when she's walking on the street, kind of people are kind of looking worried at uh, there. She feels there's a kind of a funny look. Right. Uh, but she, and uh, there was this uh, vid- video that went viral where there's this, this one girl at the, at the airport uh, on her mobile phone uh, chatting with her friends. She has no mask. But all, every, all the Europeans sitting around her had these black masks looking really worried. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but uh, uh, I thought that was just I, uh, but in, I, in, I, in five seconds it told the story. Yeah, I can only imagine the plight of Asians uh, living in Europe and uh, Western parts of the world in the US and North America. I mean, two-thirds of the world population is Asian. But uh, anyway, I mean, we can talk about all that uh, for a long time, I I have yes. uh, one follow up question to you. Uh, you you mentioned yes. uh, you know you mentioned a couple of uh, suggestions to uh, you know European tourism boards and uh, key players in the uh, travel and tourism uh, value chain. Uh, would you also recommend uh, that some of these uh, specific countries' tourism boards uh, focus their energy, uh, focus their marketing efforts on potentially other markets? Uh, let's say if, if this year there is an expected dip in Chinese tourists. Potentially, you know, uh, uh, market yourself to other uh, latent markets or uh, dormant markets uh, and try to compensate, uh, you know, for the dip from Chinese tourists, from uh, inbound tourists from other markets. Would that be a potential option? Yes, I mean, one of the very important markets uh, is the Indian market, which is to- uh, is untapped. And I think that the Indian market is is really the, the, is the next wave of, of traveling uh, more and more. And we are, particularly, we fi- find it in the Northern European, that we, this is a market that we have not been very uh, active enough. And I think the, the energy that we have been working on to get the Chinese here, I think we should direct that uh, to India. And I think also for the rest of, uh, of the European tourism boards, because they're, they're considering the, the number of uh, uh, middle class uh, people in India who travel uh, or like to travel, who take family holidays and they take uh, maybe there's multi-generation travelers where you have three generations traveling together. Those are the excellent uh, uh, opportunity to entice them to experience the, some of the beauty in, in uh, the different European countries. Yes, I completely agree with you. And as an Indian, you know, I have had this uh, huge uh, uh, you know, pain point, let me put it that way, that uh, the European, uh, most of the European countries and, uh, uh, you know, tourism boards don't market uh, themselves to uh, to the uh, Indian tourists. I will tell you, as an Indian, 
uh, you know, here are the numbers, right? There are 350, 350 plus million middle class. And according to UNWTO numbers, uh, you know, in 2020, about 50 million of us are expected to travel internationally. That's one third the Chinese numbers. Okay. But here's the kicker. Uh, you know, as of the last, uh, you know, 2018 data, uh, you know, the number of uh, tourists uh, from India who have applied for European Schengen visas are only 1 million, right? Okay. So, you know, if 2020, we are 50 million outbound, growing about 2 million a year. So, in 2018, we would have been about 45 million international tourists. Out of 45 million, uh, you know, only 1 million of uh, us traveled to Europe. And as an uh, as an upwardly mobile Indian, I can tell you this. Most of the Indians, when they think about traveling to Europe, they just think about four or five uh, cities. I mean, London, Paris, Amsterdam, uh, Berlin, you know, Barcelona, uh, and, uh, you know, Switzerland, uh, you know, country Switzerland. And that's about it. And, you know, off late, a bunch of uh, millennials have been traveling to Dubrovnik in Croatia. And that's thanks to Game of Thrones and nothing. Uh, sorry, not Croatia. Check. Okay. Uh, Dubrovnik. Uh, you know, and that's thanks to Game of Thrones and not because uh, the tourism board has promoted themselves or marketed themselves in our country. So, the you know, my point has always been last year when I was speaking at uh, a bunch of these uh, tourism uh, conferences all across Europe. I'm like, guys, we are 150 million of us who speak English fairly well. Okay, so language is not a problem for us. Uh, you know, about 45 to 50 million of us travel internationally. Okay, and... The problem is we do not know about, uh, and this happened, uh, I, I watched my opinion for the first time when I was in Sunny Beach, Bulgaria, right? And great, amazing place. And I did not know that that place existed. And most of us Indians don't. And why why aren't European uh, countries and tourism boards, uh, uh, you know, promoting themselves and marketing themselves to us? And I, I believe, I honestly believe that, uh, you know, India is one market uh, uh, that is, uh, that is, uh, yet to be tapped, especially by uh, tourism, uh, European tourism. Yes, I mean the, the, you said it right there. So uh, I'm glad you have had uh, some positive experience. So I think that uh, value yeah, that you're now giving out here is also something that uh, hopefully uh, the uh, our viewers who are or listeners who are on on this podcast will. Uh, Pass on to the people who are involved. Yeah, and and another market is US as well. I mean, US again in terms of numbers is the second biggest with eighty seven, eighty eight million international travelers. And uh, you know, uh, Europe uh, again to uh, apart from the big uh, bigger cities. Uh, you know, I I I do not think that Americans travel to the lesser uh, known parts and but more importantly, more beautiful parts like like Lapland, as you mentioned earlier, right? Yeah. With the U.S. market, it's one interesting thing is that uh, when we are talking about uh, luxury travel, right. uh, the U.S. market is the prime target for luxury travelers and uh, or the U.S. travelers who are coming to, to Europe. They are looking for hotels that, with the hotel brands that they are familiar with, and uh, they are the perfect customer for, for luxury hotels. Uh, if you look at uh, Forbes Travel uh, and the directory of Forbes Travel, they they are they're the biggest customer who are using their listing are Americans. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so that's a oh. uh, interesting information. And everyone in the industry knows that the, the Americans will be, they like to know the where they're staying and they're prepared to pay the top dollar for that experience. Brilliant. So yeah, there you go. I think uh, those, those could be, you know, some potential uh, mitigation plans for uh, 
know, a potential dip from Chinese uh, tourists and Chinese tourism dollars this year for Europe. Uh, you know, market yourselves to other uh, latent markets and uh, increase the uh, visibility in, in one of your biggest luxury, uh, you know, uh, luxury markets, uh, luxury tourism. But anyway, you know, I I hope uh, this uh, outbreak is contained sooner than that uh, later. Uh, you know, its spread is contained more than anything else, and uh, hopefully, socio-economic impact uh, will be limited to what we have already. Yeah, we just have to be aware that uh, uh, we have no control of this nature Absolutely. of the nature in that way. Uh, these uh, viruses, the epidemics. They're, they're, they'll be coming and we just have to be better prepared than ever. And and, uh, and I, every time we go through this, we just uh, need to learn a lesson from how we handled uh, this epidemic and uh, just to become much better in it. And, and particularly, uh, as I mentioned, just have to repeat again, it's the social media, which is uh, probably the biggest, biggest virus we have in this uh, world at the moment. <laughs> Cannot agree with you more. So let's <laughs> let's do our bit. Let's try to spread positive news and good vibes only. And uh, you know, for the business owners and the industry watchers and the policymakers, uh, you know, and the movers and shakers out there, let's uh, lay out some you know some potential plans and strategies that they can work on. Let's do our bit, uh, Simon. I look forward to you know keep doing these kind of. Well, thank you very much, Jane, for providing this value. Uh, and uh, th thank all the viewer, listeners who to join this podcast. And please leave your comments on uh, what you think, what are your thoughts of what we were offering today. So thank you and uh, have a good rest of the week.